thousands of UFO fans descending on Area 51 today as local officials brace for chaos in the remote region. People have been anticipating four months storm Area 51. The movement that started as an internet joke then became an actual phenomenon for people searching for aliens. This is a real thing. Now authorities in Nevada are bracing for a possible tourist invasion. For nearly 60 years, the government denied this place even existed. Sounds odd, but I'm going to call it the most famous secret base in the world, an epicenter of alien intrigue, featured in Independence Day. There's no Area 51. That's not entirely accurate. Even Mulder and Scully visited one dark night. Area 51. Classified experiments involving extraterrestrial technology. Why would you ever miss this? A bunch of random people in weird costumes standing outside of a government base? Why would you want to miss that? That's a, that's a one-in-a-lifetime experience. It's like, it's like Halloween, but we're just annoying people. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. And this, this is a momentous occasion. This we can truly celebrate as an intergalactic podcast. We are recording this on September 20th. 2019, and for those of you who are not aware, the world has changed. We are living in a new age, a new dawn. Area 51 has been raided, and we're about to tell you all about it. We've got reporters in the air, and we're going to be discussing what has been revealed. All the aliens that were liberated from their prison in Area 51. We're going to tell you all about it. We're going to get into it in just a second. Before we do that, of course, introductions are in order. My name is Ben, and joining me, as he has for many different occasions, it is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Jake Damon. How you doing, man? Oh, man, how am I doing? I t- Today is a momentous day in internet history, in world history. We are on the cusp of, I mean, it's, it's post- the event now but we are we are in the in the aftermath of of an amazing event and i've seen the footage i've seen you know the news broadcasts i've heard people talking i've seen people on twitter talking about this and i just i i have to i'll always remember like where were you when the area 51 raid happened and i i'll be able to tell my kids absolutely yes it's it's the those brave souls that sacrificed themselves to Naruto run into Area 51 and and liberate it and liberate all the secrets and all the aliens that were desperately wanting out 
And yes, it's like I said, it's just it's amazing that we've come all this way and we can finally we no one believed in them. <laughs> no one believed I believed in them, but no one did. Yeah. No one thought, oh, they're just a bunch of nuts, bunch of millennials that want to kill themselves. No. <laughs> no. A few of them did die. But you know, overall they were successful. So as you may have noticed, Zach is not here tonight. I d- I just noticed. Um, he did go to Area 51, though. That's where he is right now. What? And he's reported back. He, as far as we know, he he survived it. So that's a good thing. But he reported back on what was actually revealed at Area 51. Mm. It's amazing. Apart from all the aliens, I think thousands of aliens that were released into the wild. He reported back and said a bunch of things. And I'm going to run through them really quick because it's just too much to comprehend. He said he found a red C-3PO with one gold arm. What? How is that possible? That's nuts. He found Gonzo's The Muppets family. He found actual flubber. Whoa. He found a cloud that only drops edible yellow snow. Nasty. He found Chewbacca's jockstrap. What? He found Loki. Loki is in there. Finally. Now, just in time for that TV show. Right. Um, he found a Cinnabon with Carrie Fisher-shaped hair. That's something. Wow. That's stunning. Stunning. And he also found a woman from Mars and a man from Venus. Wait, I, I thought... It, if you can believe that. It was the other way around. Or was it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is a bizarro thing. Maybe it's like an alternate dimension thing. Yeah. That's where they're hiding all of them. It was in Area 51. Not anymore. They can't hide anything from us anymore. We took over. <laughs> we took over Area 51. He found all of the previously rejected Buzz Lightyear action figures. <laughs> and, and, to top it all off, he found seasons two through eight of Firefly. I've been wondering where I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> Nobody did. Wow. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just, I'm getting something. Oh. I'm getting a report here. Someone's whispering in my ear. Oh my goodness. So we got an exclusive interview with one of the aliens that was liberated from Area 51. If you can believe it. I, I can barely believe it. We were finally having extraterrestrial communications. We were finally going to get to talk to one being from another planet that's been on our planet for a long time, apparently. We're going to get it from him. He's coming over here right now. Um, Mr. Alien, can you please... Tell us, what's been happening to you? What have you experienced? How long have you been here? That is fascinating, wow. Mr. Alien. Jake, do you have any questions for Mr. Alien? Okay, uh, do you like pizza with pineapple or, or without pineapple? <laughs> Thank you. I oh. completely agree. Yeah, he has all the wisdom. They must be smarter than us. Yeah. Uh, okay, one more question. Oh, my um, God. Uh, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, how pathetic do you find humanity? That, a, that sounds about right. Really long way to say 1. <laughs> or 10, if this is how pathetic. <laughs> Sorry, there was a 0 in there. Yep, 10. He said 10. My translator wasn't working. Yeah, and that happens, that happens. Okay, Mr. Alien, before you go, where are you going to go next? What's your plan now that you've been you've been freed from Area 51? Mm-hmm. 
Disneyland, of course. Yes. Yes, I knew that was the answer. Who wouldn't go there? Oh, I bet you he's going to ride Space Mountain. I bet you five bucks. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Alien, for coming on and talking to us. We're the first ever podcast to have extraterrestrial life on. So thank you very much. And he's, uh, <laughs> there he goes. Thank you. Goodbye. That was that was something else. <laughs> wow. I That was a ton of fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Man, we've been having too much fun with this Area fifty one uh, thing. Yeah, that's that that's crazy. I mean, we are the first podcast to have any any extraterrestrial life. I mean, like so many things happening alien related in one day. For I mean, the Area fifty one has been raided and the alien has come on our podcast first. I, I think we should get an award for that. I'm telling you, man, we uh, we got the scoop. Thanks to Zach for bringing all that information to us and uh, risking his life to brave Area 51 and uh, give us that scoop. Yeah, yeah. Thankful, and, thankfully. Uh, salute, salute to all the brave heroes, yep. the Neruda runners of Area 51. <laughs> I'm saluting right now, you. yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that Zach did not uh, get injured at all. That's That's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, if you can believe it, that's not all, guys. That's not all. We have another week. We had a whole show planned before the breaking news happened. Um, So, as you may have noticed, we try to do the news every once in a while on this show and and talk about it. Sometimes we get to it, sometimes we don't on regular episodes. So now, we're just going to jump into some of the biggest news that happened. And, and, and later on in the show, we're going to try to review the new Jurassic World short film mm. that came out called Battle at Big Rock. And it's pretty darn good, guys. It's pretty darn good. So if you haven't watched it, um, definitely go check it out. It's only like eight minutes long, and we're going to discuss it a little bit. But I say let's go ahead and jump into the news really quick because I think there's some pretty interesting stuff happening. First of all, in the Arrowverse, they got the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover coming mm. up. Very, very soon. Yes. And none other than... Okay, I have to ask you, Jake, have you ever watched Smallville? I have seen... I think I've seen a few episodes, but it's never something that I've been through all the way. But I would like to go through it at some point. I've seen the last, like, 10 seconds of the final episode. Yeah, that's part of what I've seen, too. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I Googled something like, like, Tom Willing as Superman in Superman costume on YouTube. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, well, the reason we're talking about this is because that not only will Tom Welling, but Erica Durant, who played Lois Lane, mm. for those of you who don't know Tom Welling, was Superman on Smallville, and both of them are going to be reprising their roles for the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. So this is something people have been wanting for a long time. Tom Welling as Superman in the Arrowverse. Yeah. It's happening, people. And I cannot wait. I haven't actually been watching a whole lot of the Arrowverse recently. Same. But um, and I kind of feel bad that I'm like totally out of loop with what's going on in the whole overarching story, but this, I can't wait for this. This, this sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, like I've always said, I think the Marvel side of things is doing way better in the movies, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the movie parts, and I think that's about to change with uh, Disney+. Plus. But I think DC has definitely been hitting it out of the park with their television series on the CW and whatnot. And even though I have never seen Smallville, I can appreciate what they're doing here because, you know, just looking at all the names coming back for, for this. I mean, we're getting freaking... Uh, 
Kevin Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy is actually going to be playing Batman in the flesh. Yeah, he's going to be playing Bruce Wayne, which is in- insane. It's like I've never thought that would happen. But and then you're, you're bringing Tom Welling, who who played Superman in, and and just all these names from across like all these different shows and and things that you just never thought would be together. They're able to do this and make something really cool. And I think that they're going to be able to capture the spirit of the crisis on infinite Earth comic which is really good um in this in this you know several part parter here uh and i i don't know i'm just it, this makes me even more excited than i was before if that's possible yeah like i have my qualms with the Arrowverse. certain shows i'm looking at you flash <laughs> i i genuinely like the way they do it the way they put it all together and make a cohesive story mm. out of all the shows I mean, it's really unprecedented to have, like, it is truly the MCU of TV. Yeah. Like, it is doing all these shows and having them interconnected. It's just amazing what they've done. So. Well, I my, I think my favorite part about the quote-unquote Arrowverse, and that includes everything, The Flash and, and Legends of Tomorrow, is that you you don't have to take it too seriously. Like, it's a, sh- it's a series of shows that just knows how to have fun, you know? And oh, yeah. and it's really nice to just be able to turn on some episodes and relax and just enjoy yourself, you know? And and I think the story of this is going to probably be a little more serious, but there's got to be a lot of jokes in there, you know? I, I feel like it's going to be a pretty even even field for everything that you you want in a show and i am personally looking forward to it and i think this is gonna make me it's gonna force me to go back and catch up on some of the stuff i've missed recently me as well and i mean thinking about like the fact that crisis on infinite earth from what i understand the story is all about like a crisis on infinite earth oh. i think as 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 the title thing i know shot guess. <laughs> but the thing is with this is that I think it kind of ends up, at least in the comics, ends up folding all of these different dimensions into one another, into kind of one cohesive universe. More or less, yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because not only do you have essentially Smallville, the Smallville universe intersecting with the Arrowverse, you have Brandon Routh, who's been in the Arrowverse for some time as Ray Palmer, is now coming back to reprise his role as Superman. How could I have forgotten that? And you have Kevin Conroy, who is essentially... You know, you're connecting the old Batman the Animated Series. You're connecting Arkham Knights games. Oh, Like, man. you're connecting all of that. Essentially, you're putting, like, this is a hub for the entire DC universe. Yep. Like, the films, everything. Um, I mean, this, and, and you're talking about Brandon Routh, who played Christopher Reeve's Superman from the Donner films, yep. essentially a continuation of that. So that connects everything. Yeah, like what you said, this is supposed to like make everything one cohesive universe. I hope that's what they end up doing with this because you've also got Batwoman, you've got uh, Supergirl, you've got Martian Manhunter from Supergirl. Yeah, absolutely. How cool would it be to see a scene where you get at least five of the six uh, Justice League characters from Justice League, the animated series. Cause I don't think we've gotten uh, Diana Prince yet. Uh, Wonder Woman in this universe. I could be wrong. Maybe I missed something, but, but how cool would it be to have Kevin Conroy's Batman, have the flash, have uh, Superman, Brandon Ralph, Superman, have Martian Manhunter and, and have them all together and have like the justice league on screen in the CW for the first time. That would be so cool. It's yeah. I, I can't, I don't know what they're going to cook up with this and like what this is going to mean because I mean, this is, this is the, this is really high stakes because it ties directly in with the final season of arrow 
Um, and unlike the other seasons, I think we're kind of all expecting that something's going to happen with Arrow. Maybe we'll this will be the final outing of Oliver Queen and Stephen Amell as that character. Oh, I forgot Oliver Queen, too, yeah. So that's going to be really emotional, and they're already teasing that, and they got a new poster for Arrow. And if you look at Stephen Amell's Twitter, it's all there. It's all a lot of feels. Yeah. A lot of feels. Well, and, let's put it this way. This is a big enough deal where even though I have no idea what's been leading up to this, I, I will do my best not to miss this. I feel like I can almost enjoy it more. And I'm not worried about like yeah. the plot making sense. I'm like, I'm just enjoying the fact that all of these superheroes are on screen together. Yeah, like, exactly. Well, I, ho- I hope it's a story that's more contained in itself and doesn't rely on too many other things. But e- even if it does, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're going to include Black Lightning. That I I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, I think that he's supposed to be coming to this universe anyway, unless he's already in there. I don't know. I haven't been keeping up, but I've, I've heard he things. He started out in his own universe, but I feel like I feel like the intention all along has been to eventually just multiverse him into the era. Okay, and uh, because I mean, Supergirl started out the same way, and all of a sudden you see you know Cisco just opening a portal and going to her world. So yeah. like, it's not that big of a deal. Well, I I remember watching a show. Uh, back on I, f- I think it was on WB Kids or Fox Kids or something like I never had that channel but we had like videos from the library or something and there was a cartoon called Static Shock and I think that's related to Black Lightning somehow I forget Probably. but that's pretty much the closest I know anything about Black Lightning yeah yeah I haven't watched the show yet but I've heard really good things I think Zach watched it I think he really liked yeah it, so. yeah I gotta give it a shot yeah, totally, totally. I mean, all those shows, like, I think they really, really standard for quality, mm-hmm. I think. And, and I have, like I said, I have my qualms with them, some of them, but I think ultimately they, they produce this really high quality stuff and they're all about paying off and tying into one another and then having these crossovers that are even bigger payoffs. Sure. That, uh, so yeah. it's really awesome. Well, like, with with the CW, you know, you, you can't really complain about the budget because that's that's what they've got you know like i it's a tv show i mean you can't yeah and even then i think it's it's really good for for what it is you know i I think there's a few standout parts but i just feel like the cw shows are everything that like the Zack snyder movies aren't which is like it's like most i I don't want to say mostly humor but there's a big portion of humor there and i think you need that to balance things out like that's why avatar the last airbender that show i'm going through it right now with my wife and i it just every episode just shocks me with how well they mix humor and seriousness and i feel like having a good balance of that really makes things likable and successful absolutely cannot wait for this and having Kevin Conroy and Tom Welling and Stephen Amell oh. and all these guys in like one episode potentially like I, I, just... I think the thing I'm most excited about besides having them all together on screen is like seeing what their costumes are going to look like because yeah. Brandon Routh coming back I've heard rumors that he's going to have the the Superman costume from Crisis on Infinite Earths like he, there's a special symbol yeah, he, he has it's the yeah it's the whatever doomsday or uh, kingdom, doomsday, kingdom come kingdom come yep you're exactly yep. um and uh Kevin Conroy are we gonna see him actually suit up as Batman or is he just gonna be Bruce Wayne who knows either way I'm excited absolutely and, and special shout out to uh Kenny Crayley Jr. very 
a loyal listener who suggested this topic. Yes. And uh, yeah, and we always are open to suggestions. If you want us to talk about something on the show, the very easy thing to do is just tweet it at us and say, hey guys, talk about this on the next episode. We'll do it. No problem. Yeah. And that's exactly what Kenny did. So, Or if you tweet at us something that we you don't want us to talk about, we'll probably <laughs> talk about it just to annoy you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's just how we roll. Yeah. We uh, like to annoy our listeners. We're trolls. We We're like trolls. to troll them. Yeah. We're absolutely. Another piece of DC news that came out recently was uh, James Gunn, mm-hmm. who formerly of Guardians of the Galaxy fame and will soon will be back on the Guardians of the Galaxy train, thankfully. He is now working on the Suicide Squad for DC, the sequel to Suicide Squad. They added a the to it, and now it's a sequel. I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't know, but it, it looks good, all right? <laughs> yeah. It's James Gunn. I'm on board for it, and they just released the cast. And let me run through these really quick because this is pretty amazing. I know I'm going to butcher some of these names, so hold on tight. Um, first of all, Michael Rooker, Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, Viola Davis, Jennifer Holland, Julio Ruiz, Peter Capaldi, Daniela Melchor, Melchor I no, I messed that <laughs> one up. Um, Tanisha Kajesi, um, Steve Aggie, Alice Brega, Taika Watiti, Pete Davison, Storm Reed, Juan Diego Boto, Sean Gunn, Flula Borg, wow, um, Mailing NG, Joel Kinnaman, Nathan Fillion. Joaquin Cozio, Jay Courtney, John Cena, and David Dastmalachian. Who knew that the only things that you needed to make me excited about a Suicide Squad movie were uh, James Gunn directing all these names and then just adding the to the title. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was sitting in the theater with my brother watching Suicide Squad for the first and maybe last time. Um wondering what how i could get my money back uh, i i never thought that they would be coming out with a a sequel slash reboot you know at least within this shorter period of time yeah. um but yeah these names are are something to behold david das melchian i've I've been following his work ever since The Dark Knight. He showed up in there. He was in Ant-Man 1 and 2, obviously. Or Ant-Man uh-huh. and Ant-Man and the Wasp, I should say. Um, he he has been in uh, Gotham, I believe. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. And, yeah, it's funny. Gotham, The Suicide Squad, and The Dark Knight, all DC things. <laughs> Uh, craziness, but him, uh, John Cena, I've heard he's, but he's really good in stuff. Uh, he's coming up. Yeah. yeah. Jai Courtney's back as captain boomerang. I'm assuming Nathan Fillion. Speaking of firefly, um, yeah. Flula Borg, that one's a little out of left field, but I can see that happening. Uh, I know, I know for a fact that they're bringing condiment man in and between Pete Davidson and Flula Borg, I think what either of those could be condiment man. <laughs> Uh, Sean yeah. Gunn, obviously very cool. Taika Waititi, hello. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the ones I'm most excited about, though, also Michael Rooker. I'm very excited about that. But uh-huh. Peter Capaldi, man, yeah. I I love the Twelfth Doctor very much. I love Peter Capaldi as an actor. He's in a show called in uh, the Thick of It, I should say. Uh, it's like a political sh- satire show, but he is a foul mouth. Uh, dude in that and you know if, if you're 
if you think that kind of I thing. I think is I've seen clips from that. <laughs> at first, it just seems a little bit too over the top and like, really, is this necessary? And then about five minutes in, you just start laughing because it's so freaking hilarious. Um, Idris Elba, man. I can't talk enough about how excited I am about this cast. What do you think? Oh, it looks it looks great. I think just having James Gunn's name on this really increases my thing. And also, you know what? As much as I'm not really a fan of the original Suicide Squad movie, I'm glad this is not a preboot. I'm glad yeah. it's it seems to be a sequel because there is some good stuff in there. You have Margot Robbie, Jay Courtney, like, there was good stuff in there, yep. and I'm glad they're bringing it back, and I'm glad they're keeping some of the cast members, adding something new, and just saying, okay, that happened. Like, you got to give it to DC for all the problems they've come up with. They're still trying with this. They're still like, we're going to keep pressing on with this DCU or DC Universe or whatever they're calling it now mm-hmm. and continue on with this regardless. And, I mean, you can't really argue that uh, Suicide Squad it won a freaking Oscar I mean, it uh. did. I, 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 I hate that some people are, like, really uh, uppity about yeah, that. Yeah, it's just, um, it's so Because it was, funny. like, for costume design or whatever. And, like, you could look at the movie and go, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. I get why it won the Oscar. But it's, you know, it is weird. But uh, still, I'm glad that this is happening. I'm glad that they got a really great talent behind it. And I think just, I think some people are worried that it's going to be two Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, but I think... I think he could use some of that style, and I think also I think James Gunn is aware of that. I think James yeah. Gunn is going to try to make something different. He's not just going to make this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three before that movie actually gets made. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be something very different. And I think he's the almost the quintessential comic book director. He's got a, such a visual, great visual style. The color palette that he uses, the cinematography. And just the characterizations that he brings across and the writing is just superb. Yeah. And you see that in Guardians 1 and 2. So I think translating that to this is going to be amazing. Well, I think the three keys to a good movie are good direction, good writing, and good acting. Um, And with the first Suicide Squad movie, you had a good cast, I think, but the directing wasn't that great and the writing suffered tremendously. And in this one, it seems like you have all three pretty, you know, I don't know much about the writing of this movie until we watch it, obviously, but I'm not even sure who is writing it. I'll have to look at the IMDb and see what they, what else they've written. But uh, it seems like they've got a pretty good chance at making a pretty good movie. Yeah. I think anything that, that James Gunn is going to put his name on is going to pretty well do all right. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that about a Suicide Squad sequel. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I'm excited. All right. <laughs> But uh, I can't help it. I just can't help Hashtag, it. Hashtag, I'm excited but, about Suicide Squad. Who, you know, the the sequel to the Oscar winning. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to flaunt they, it, and you can't blame them. They have to. They have to. They have to take it for all it's worth. Indeed. All right. Um, One little piece of news before we get to our review. John Favreau, who is not yet involved in DCEU, of course, I feel like he will eventually. Yeah. I feel like that'll that's a next step. Like he's been everywhere. He's done Marvel, he's done Disney. Now he's doing Star Wars, specifically The Mandalorian, and he was interviewed at uh, somewhere, I'm not sure where, but uh this kind of went viral cuz people were really talking about it and I know I was really excited when I heard him say this. 
but he is petitioning for a new Star Wars holiday special, if you can believe it. <laughs> he says, and I quote, if you want to see a holiday special, let Disney Plus know. Heck yeah. So he's telling fans, look, if you want this, I'll make it. You just got to convince Disney Plus to do it. Um. So, and of course, people are like, oh, another you know, holiday special, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm game for this. I'm game for for take two on the holiday special. I, let's let's try it again. I am one thousand percent down for this. I because the Star Wars holiday special is so infamous as like it, it aired once. You're lucky if you can find some tapes of it. There's a lot of copies going around. George Lucas famously wanted to destroy every copy. Um, <laughs> I have never seen the full thing, but I've seen enough clips to probably equal about the whole uh, about the whole thing uh-huh, short of a few uh-huh. minutes it's pretty abysmal but there's so much f- fun in there so much stuff to make fun of and i think i think doing another one could only be good like you know everybody who knows about the holiday special would watch it because you have to um even people who didn't know about the other holiday special would would be like, oh, what's this about? You know, there's a, there's going to be a curiosity there just across the board, I think. Um, there are ways that you can, like, make nods to the old one. You can do new stuff. You can, you can obviously make it better, but I think that it would be cool to do one where you just weren't as serious about it. It's not like an actual piece of Star Wars you know, it's not supposed to be taken as canon, I should say. It's just people having fun. Like, bring bring the new actors in. Bring Daisy Ridley in. Bring uh, John Boyega and uh, Oscar Isaac, you know? It, it would be really fun. Have have a version of uh, Matt the Radar Technician. That would be awesome. Um, bring him back. I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of potential here. And I'm now that I know that we just have to let Disney know, I'm, I got to do my part and tweet at Disney. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, I just think it's a natural choice from the standpoint that you're you're dealing with uh, a bunch of people that are multi-talented, especially the new cast. Yeah. Like, they can sing, they can dance, look up Oscar Isaac, like Oscar Isaac has a version, he does an, like a, a his own version of Bill Murray's uh, Star Wars song. Okay. The, uh, the old, like, I think, which may have actually debuted on, debuted on, uh, SNL back in the day it was the whole thing I can't remember but if you look that up and it's amazing and then you have the whole duet that Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac do doing Baby It's Cold Outside hell a Christmas song people like Mm -hmm. there it is like have those two headline it and then you know just take off from there and it could really be great I don't know how you play it as far as like do you try to be genuine do you try to do it in universe do you do it kind of halfway out of universe do you totally accept that it's going to be terrible just like the first one and you just go with it like i don't know how you would play it but john favreau being behind this and the possibility of it being on disney plus and the fact that disney plus is this new arena for disney that they may be willing to do crazy things like a second holiday special yeah um i think i think it's a possibility i honestly think this might happen one day yeah well i think it's very possible i mean i know when you're a big corporation you have to make some calculated decisions but i think part of art is having fun and and 
and uh, experimenting, you know, seeing what sticks. And I think that this is one of those things that they should take a chance on. Exactly. Yeah, I I am so down for this. Like I'm I'm with you. Like this it could be so amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think I I hope because I think and I've talked about this before how Lucasfilm under George Lucas was sometimes insane. <laughs> you had this thing called Star Wars Detours. Have you seen Star Wars Detours? I have tried to avoid it <laughs> since I saw it once. Uh, let's just put it that way. <laughs> Well, I think you're doing well because Disney does not want anyone to see this. It's pretty bad. The, it's pretty bad. It looks interesting. I gotta say, as as an art person, as a visual guy, that thing was like cancer to the eyes. <laughs> it the art style it took a lot of getting used to, and this is for those who don't know, this was an animated series that was produced at least. I think they had like a hundred episodes written. They had thirty episodes fully produced, ready to be. Released and this was in 2012, about three or four months before the Disney sale. Oh boy! And George Lucas was headlining this thing. He was all behind it, and he hired the guys that did Robot Chicken, Seth Green and Matthew Seinrich, mm-hmm. and it was happening. And somewhere it exists, but Disney does not want anyone to see it, and probably for good reason. Yeah. But even if Detours was terrible, or is terrible, and probably was terrible, I appreciated. Just the willy-nilly nature of George Lucas and how he was just like, oh, yeah, let's just do this animated sitcom and set in the Star Wars universe. We're going to do this. Yeah. Like, I appreciated that he was willing to do that. Yeah. And I hope, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want Disney to get careless, but I also hope that they can kind of bring back some of that carelessness or that, you know, free-spiritedness that George Lucas had about this these films and mm. to be able to have fun with them in different ways and not be so, you know, scared that you're going to piss off the fans or whatever. Right. It, I People are so entitled. And, like, when you're a fan of something, it is – I guess it's easy to get into the mindset if you're not careful of, like, well, this belongs to me. You know, it belongs to the consumers and the people who like this stuff and then get mad at the creator uh, quote unquote, uh, for making something that they don't like, but you can't please everybody. And when you're an artist, you have to, you have to do stuff that you are interested in that you like. And if people like it or they don't like it, that's their business. But people, people who get mad at people for making things that they don't like, I kind of can't stand it. You know, I just, I, I have my opinion about certain things. And that's it. But I'm never going to go, oh, this person is a terrible person for making something that I didn't like, you know? Exactly. Like everything is objective and you have this whole, especially in Star Wars fandom, like my God, like people are just so deluded when they go, oh, you're a terrible person. Screw you, Ryan Johnson for ruining my job, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, you engage them on like, dude, don't do that. Like, that's not cool. You don't attack people just because you don't like something. Well, I just have an opinion, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't do that. (laughs) You know, you can have an opinion. We can all have an opinion to say, hey, I like this. I don't like this. I'm a massive Star Wars fan, but I don't love everything in Star Wars. There's a lot of things, a la maybe Star Wars Detour. I haven't really seen it, but there's some other things. We just got done talking about the Star Wars holiday special. That's objectively terrible. And it's Star Wars. Yep, um, yep. We can have a discussion about that. We can be, you know, it's fine to discuss and have opinions, but, you know, attacking people for whatever, um, it's just bad. Because ultimately, that's what George George Lucas, that's what drove him away. 
that's the reason he doesn't make Star Wars anymore because people were freaking jerks to him and he was just tired of it. And you can't blame him. Right, exactly. <sighs> so that's a whole thing. So the holiday special may be coming back. You have at least one man on the inside who wants to do it. What are they going to so, call it? The holiday special 2? Or I have no idea. Life Day is still a thing, know. right? It's funny. Holiday special is a very like 2019 name. Like, it's not like the Star Wars Christmas special. It's a very PC, you know, <laughs> right. like, generic Star Wars holiday special. Like, that would work today. Yep. If the holiday special didn't exist and we didn't have the negative confrontation it has, like, you could release that today and people would be like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, Chewie's family is is canon in, in the universe. Like... You know, all that stuff exists. Kashyyyk is all there. You know, it, it introduced us to Boba Fett and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know what they could do. But I think I think if it was done tastefully and done with the right people behind it, possibly maybe SNL. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get, you know, a, a, a trifecta of John Favreau working with the guys at SNL who produced, you know, one of the best Star Wars parodies of all time, Matt the Radar Technician. Yep, I love um, it. It could be really something great. I don't know why I just thought of this, but it would be kind of cool to have it set in Maz Kanata's castle and just have like Maz telling stories and every story she told was like a little mini story as part of the special. And it would be cool to throw in like a cartoon kind of as an homage to what they did with Boba Fett in in the original holiday special. Um, but then again, Maz's castle was destroyed, so this would have to take place before <laughs> that, but... Um, eh, she lived for like a thousand years. You could set it, you know, any one of those thousand years before it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. I don't know. I think someone has an idea. Someone has a good idea for how to make this work. Yeah. I don't know where it is. I'm not saying I'm the one that has the idea, but it it could work. Yeah. So, I don't know. Disney Plus, this is us officially. IPC. Zach isn't here. We're, we're speaking for him. The three of us, we endorse this idea. We're with John Favreau, all right? We want this to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, please. The new aliens, they don't even know what the Star Wars Holiday Special is. So, we can get a few <laughs> of them behind us, too. So, yes. we can get them to dupe in. Hopefully, they won't haven't searched on Google and found it already. Oh, boy. But, okay. All right. So, we have something else for you guys. And I assume you got a chance to watch this, Jake. Yes, I did. So, and I assume everyone else has. If not, stop this podcast and go Search on YouTube or Google or whatever. It's all on social media to Battle at Big Rock, which is a, I think, eight-minute Jurassic World short film. Mm -hmm. And I don't know all the details. Yes, I should have done the research, but I didn't. All right, don't hate (laughs) me. Um, But apparently this is, I think, set immediately or soon after the events of Fallen Kingdom. For those who don't know, Fallen Kingdom, they bring dinosaurs to the mainland, and now they're set loose, and now you have a literal Jurassic World. Um, spoiler alert. So now you have this short, which is basically, you know, like I said, go watch it. But, it, you know, the brief of it is it's centered on a family. They're out camping and some dinosaurs show up and all hell breaks loose. And it's really good. Yeah. It's like really great. Like I was like Colin Trevorrow, who directed i think is directing the third i don't know i think he's writing or something he's 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 obviously been a huge part of this franchise he directed jurassic world and he put this together i think maybe directed it wrote it something like that he was heavily involved with the creation of this eight minute uh short film Mm -hmm. and uh, he just up like a couple weeks ago said oh yeah this is coming 
and here it is, and it kind of blew everyone away because you know Jurassic Park is not it's not Star Wars. Let's put it that way. Star Wars, we get short films and all kinds of stuff all the time. Like Jurassic Park, we've never really gotten anything quite like this from this franchise, and it's really refreshing. Um, but I want to get your take on it, Jake. Like, what did you? What were your initial impressions of this thing? I didn't really know what to expect when I started it because I haven't heard. It. Like, it's not like I read any spoilers or anything. I think I watched it pretty right. much as soon as it dropped. Um, and you know, I was watching it, and I just I got a feeling that just reminded me of the original Jurassic Park, just like this, this like, oh, it starts off innocent enough, and then you got this this sense of of dread and impending doom and then you've got you know the actual dinosaurs it, it, the gradual uh scale from that to you know them in peril was very well done and it was you know it told a small little story and that's great i think that I haven't really, I, I did not see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom yet, so I don't know how that stacked up compared to, oh, wow. to okay. uh, Jurassic World itself. But um, this, I think anybody could watch this contained and not have seen anything, you know, and be really interested in it. You know, you don't have to know any of the characters or anything. It's just like, what, how do dinosaurs, now that they're in the world, them interacting and clashing with modern humans and technology how does that all work together and this tackles that in a really good way there's a lot of um or a really interesting way i should say there's a lot of really cool shots in here there's a one particular shot with the dinosaur kind of like roaring at the family who's off to the right and it just like i want that as a wallpaper it looks so cool um and then the end credits is just like a montage clip of like little examples of how dinosaurs are interacting with humans and humanity, like, or, or just the modern world, I should say, like you have a shark jumping up to catch a bird or a fish and then you've got a plesiosaur or whatever that is <laughs> behind it, eating the shark. Uh, and then you have like somebody on a road driving and they run into, or they swerve to miss a, a dinosaur and they just go off the, the path and down the mountain and there's a few other ones but um yeah it's just it really makes you think you know it puts you in the world of jurassic park slash jurassic world uh and i i really want to see a trend of this continue like i would love to see other movies do short films like i, I would love star wars to do that i would love uh you know whatever's coming out you know that's big i would love to see more marvel movies do that like i want them to bring back the one shots again where are those you know but uh, I like this a lot, and I, I think I'll watch it again pretty soon here just to see it again and, and soak up anything that I missed, and uh, I'm definitely recommending it to people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and just to set the record straight here, I did a little bit of research while you were talking, mm. and, of course, this is directed by Colin Travar, written by Emily Carmichael. Um, it stars Andre Holland, Natalie Martinez, Melody Hurd, and Pearson Salvador, I assume, that's the family that's in the uh, short, and this is set in universe a year, one year after the events of Fallen Kingdom. For those that don't know, and, and since you're one of those people that doesn't know, I'll explain it really quick. Um, basically, at the end of Fallen Kingdom, do you mind me spoiling it? No, I I don't care. <laughs> it's not. I think. I think I know. I think there. I know it already, though. <laughs> I mean, if you've watched the short, you can kind of get the long and short of it. There's dinosaurs on the mainland interacting with people, and basically, what happens is. 
there's a dinosaur auction, and then the dinosaurs are going to get killed because the people that had them were douchebags, and then <laughs> the good guys set them free on the rainland. So there's a bunch of different dinosaurs that are roaming free. I think this is in Oregon or something like that, but this specific short takes place at Big Rock National Park, which is, to my understanding, completely fabricated, completely fictional, hmm. but it's, take, it's 20 miles from Lockwood Manor, which is where the dinosaurs originated. So That makes sense. You can imagine that there's a lot of dinosaurs in this area. Yeah, like, yeah. And being that this is where they originated, they're probably repopulating at this point, but also they're spreading because I think there's a one of the flying dinosaurs ends up in Las Vegas, I think. Okay. There's a post credit scene. So they're spreading out a lot, but also you can imagine that there's a lot of stuff going on here. And, and it's funny, that was my initial impressions of this was like, you know, the special effects are really good, but also the way the characters react to this. It's not like what you expect. You kind of expect this to be, oh my God, it's a dinosaur. Because there's a triceratops that wanders into the campground. And you think, oh, this is really crazy but really it's not because not only has it been a year since these dinosaurs escaped this is also a universe where for at least 20 years i think dinosaurs have existed have existed at least in a park on an island but they've still existed and you know they're no longer prehistoric creatures they're they're alive so mm-hmm. it's interesting to kind of get the i was really surprised at how like the, the kids, like, know all the facts. They start talking about, oh, this is an herbivore, and that's a carnivore, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, naturally, kids love dinosaurs, but the but you can imagine a kid that lives in a world where dinosaurs freaking exist. Like, that's got to be crazy. Yeah. But basically, Triceratops wanders in, and there's another dinosaur that I forget the name of. It's a Allosaurus. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of like a T-Rex, but a little bit smaller, but just as ferocious. And uh, there's a crying baby that uh, gives away their position, and then the thing attacks them, and it tries to eat them and the baby. And uh, uh, it, they don't. It don't, obviously. But it's the first time that... And I saw people in the comments going like, this is actually like realistic, because having a baby in a situation like this would be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, we've always been in the kind of, like, shh, you know, stay quiet, don't move, whatever. You can't tell a baby to be quiet and don't move. <laughs> you can't do yeah. that. So it's just fascinating. Like, they took this, and the baby is totally screwing them over the entire time. Yep. And he's attracted to him. He's trying to eat the baby. Um, and it's just great. And it's really, the special effects are amazing. The tension's great. They, they tell really a great little miniature story. It feels like, because a lot of times, I think, most of the Jurassic films have kind of started with that one like little action beat at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like the original Jurassic Park is where they're loading the raptors into one of the pens. And then a Lost World, it's uh, the little girl on the island with the copies. Yeah. And I can't remember what happens in three. Uh, and then Fallen Kingdom is one of my favorite moments ever, which is. Um, and you'll you'll get to see this eventually, Jake. You need to go watch that movie, even though I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah, I would I would like to. Zach and Mondo freaking loved it, so who knows? Like you could love it too. Hopefully, you're in their camp. But yeah. uh, the whole scene is them going basically a bunch of guys breaking into Jurassic World to steal some bones or whatever. But it's really a great scene. This feels like that. Okay. It feels like it takes the tension of that and kind of takes it, and it's it feels like a prologue. To something and essentially it is because Jurassic World 3 is coming 
But for right now, we're kind of getting this as this random drop of like a short film, which I think is great. I agree with you that I think I'd love to see more things like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what? Why don't I let somebody else do the talking really quick? Because Zach may not be here, but he did send in a little message mm. for us to play. So we're going to do that and let him talk for a couple minutes and tell his thoughts. And then we'll be back in just a second. Hey guys, Zach checking in here just for a couple of seconds to provide my thoughts on the battle at Big Rock. You know, for something that is only eight and a half minutes long, they provide you with a lot of really awesome content from this Jurassic world that we now live in. You know, it's kind of helping us get acclimated to this idea of man and dinosaur suddenly being thrust together the way Alan Grant first described in the original Jurassic Park movie. We're now witnessing that on the mainland. You know, you're not isolated on an island anymore. You could encounter a dinosaur anywhere at any time. And that thought had always been, you know, speculatory. We'd always just talked about it, but now we get to see it. We see a family that is working on combining forces, possibly even combining resources, depending on their situation. To me, it looked like they were living in that trailer, not just on vacation. It looked like they were in a community almost, you know, saying, if you need anything, just come and talk to us. You know, that's not what people who are on a little weekend staycation say to their camper neighbors. You hardly say anything to your camper neighbors when you're just on a weekend excursion. So that indicated to me that there's a little bit of a sense of community there, that these people know each other. They work together. They do things together, including the little girl learning how to shoot a double crossbow, apparently, which was kind of cool because the guy's just sitting there going, hey, Greg. Hey, Greg, you know, it's like what you do when you're jawing with your neighbor or something. And so it it had a very close sense of of community there. And then that community feeling kind of goes out the window as soon as the battle at Big Rock takes place. All of a sudden you're alone. All of a sudden you are there with the dinosaurs. That's it. And, you know, to see... The Triceratops fighting an Allosaurus, you know, you've got some some classic dinosaur action with the trike, and then you've got the sense of danger from a carnivore and a predator without having to rehash the old T-Rex usage again. You know, when we don't really need another T-Rex on scene. The Allosaurus still gives you that sense of danger without having to rehash old material. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was so, so cool. And, you know, I've seen it like three or four times now. I think I've seen it twice by myself, I've seen it once with my dad, and I've seen it once with some friends of mine. And every time I watched it, I've experienced something different. The first time I witnessed it, I, I was noticing the parallels in the storytelling. 
how the Triceratops parents were defending the baby and then how the parents in the trailer were defending their baby with whatever materials they had to offer. The time that I watched it with my dad, I was paying attention to the stuff that was animatronic versus CGI. They used both components in this, which I thought was really, really cool. And then the other time that I watched it with my friends, um, they were really paying attention to the intensity, how everything kind of built up and had a very classic Jurassic Park feel to it. It had the same kind of intensity from when the T-Rex showed up. It had a very similar, you know, camper danger, you know, being in a camper and being in danger, you know, the way that you had in The Lost World. So, I mean, this eight and a half minutes just kind of gives you a taste of classic Jurassic Park while also helping you move the story forward. The other cool thing that I now take away from the Battle of Big Rock, having recently heard the news that, you know, you're going to have these classic actors from the original Jurassic Park movie. You know, they've, they've got Jeff Goldblum back, but they also announced they've got Laura Dern and Sam Neill on there as well. So you're going to have Dr. Grant, Dr. Sattler, and Dr. Malcolm all playing significant roles in this 2021 movie. And given what Trevorrow gave us in this battle at Big Rock, and given the key characters that he promises to provide us in the upcoming movie, all of this just makes me very, very excited for what 2021's Jurassic World 3 is going to have to offer. You know, there's some great storytelling in this eight and a half minutes. There's some great action. There's some great acting. There's just so many things in there that I can't even cover in a short little blurb like this. It's just amazing. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal. I loved everything about it, including the post-credits scenes of the little girl being chased or seeing a Parasaurolophus on the river. You know, we are experiencing dinosaurs in our everyday life now. That was the big takeaway that I got from this. Dinosaurs are here. They are a part of what we do. They are now a part of our lives. And we have to learn how to adapt or else our world is going to completely change. It's already changed, but now it's going to be changing even more. So those are just some of my thoughts. Uh, Battle at Big Rock, in my opinion, was super awesome. I hope we get more short films like this leading up to the release of the 2021 movie just so that Jurassic World keeps its relevance so that people get reminded of how awesome the franchise is and where it's going. And uh, yeah, I'm hopeful for more and I'm excited for what the movie's going to hold. Thanks for listening to my tangents. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm looking forward to when I can be back on a full episode. I'll see you all soon. But in the meantime, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. See y'all later. Zach for those thoughts and uh, yeah I figured he'd enjoy that <laughs> he's like the first person I thought of when I heard about this happening I'm like holy crap Zach's gonna love this so mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's pretty awesome but um 
guess we'll kind of treat this as a regular movie. What are your final thoughts and the planet score for Battle at Big Rock? Well, I think that it's a... I don't know. Things like this are a cool opportunity for directors who maybe wanted more to say in the movie and weren't able to, to make like a small film, small movie without having to make a whole other movie. You know, it's just like whatever time is needed to tell this story, which in this case is only eight minutes. Uh, they can use that and not spend millions and millions of dollars. You know, they don't need a huge budget for it. Uh, and it's, it's just something cool for, for people to watch something a little extra. So I, I got to give this like a 10 out of 10. There's nothing really wrong with it. Nice. And for me, I think I'm going to agree with you that I think it's really just great to see stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a world where we just the biggest movie of all time now is a three hour and one minute movie <laughs> and I think we tend to think in terms of oh to tell a story you gotta have a lot of time this is proof of the opposite this is proof that you don't need a lot of time you can just do stuff and you know I appreciate when we have streaming services like, you know, Netflix and soon will be Disney Plus where, you know, you can have TV episodes and they can be whatever length they want to be because and they can tell whatever story. But I love stuff like this. And I think it's partially just my experience with, you know, watching Star Wars The Clone Wars Mm -hmm. and that show and that show being 22-minute episodes and telling stories that felt like theatrical stories but were done in such a short amount of time. I think was just great. And I think it just proves that you don't need three hours to tell a good story. Right. So I think I'd love to see more stuff like this. I'd love to see, I don't know, like I know Star Trek, I think has been doing something along these lines. There's been short treks where they've been doing short films. Um, I'd love to see Star Wars do something like this. Like not just like Star Wars has done like animated stuff, but like I would love to see like live action stuff. Mm-hmm. Like do that. Like For sure. this, this would be, like I could watch this and I could watch like a mini series of these, like just do small stories. And then you have that end credit sequence where they took like viral videos and added dinosaurs into them. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and that's just great. Like I, I, the implications of what happened in Fallen Kingdom intrigued the hell out of me. Like yeah. what they could do with that and what that could mean for this universe. So the idea of like these short things that wouldn't necessarily fit into a movie. You're not going to make a movie about a little girl on a farm being chased around by compies. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But it could work as a short film. So I I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I think this was really well done. One of the best things Colin Trevorrow has probably done and probably one of the best Jurassic Park sequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. I, I feel really bad saying that as someone who's come to appreciate Jurassic Park sequels, but this is Really great. Yep. All right. Well, I think we've reached the end of the line. I think so. But I think there's one more thing that we should address. No, we're not getting any more aliens. No. No, the aliens have gone home. They're asleep. All right. They boarded their ships. They've gone back to their home planets. We do have a little thing called the Quote of the Night. Uh-huh. And it's something that... I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to let you listen to it and see if you recognize it and see, uh, you know, if you catch it. And we'll, we'll talk about the implications of it and how it ties in with what we've been talking about tonight. But uh, without further ado, here is tonight's quote of the night. Where is the ark? 
I thought we'd settled that. The Ark is somewhere very safe. From whom? The Ark is a source of unspeakable power, and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Hey, what happened? You don't look very happy. Fools. Bureaucratic What'd fools. What'd they say? They don't know what they've got there. Well, I know what I've got here. Come on. Buy a drink. You know. A drink? I love it. So, if you couldn't already figure it out yet, yes, that was a scene from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. The absolute final scene in the movie. Um, And how it ties in with this is the fact that at the very end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you have the Lost Ark, which has been found, now being essentially lost again after that conversation and being put into storage in a gigantic warehouse filled with other crates, seemingly um, being hidden again. And what's interesting is that, I don't know what people thought at the time, but bringing it back around to 2008, when we got Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. and we return to that warehouse in the beginning of that movie. Yep. The reason we know that is because there's a scene where Indy blasts through one of the walls of crates, and one of the crates is opened, and guess what? There's the Ark. So, essentially, it's it comes full circle with that movie. And I know people don't like that movie. I really don't care. <laughs> um, I like it for what it is. It's got its issues. Yeah, the alien that shows up at the end is, is kind of wonky. But that brings it all back around because aliens. We got aliens now. They're real. Yeah. They're living among us now. Yeah. And they were in the Indiana Jones. And with the Area 51 thing, I thought it was apt to bring that up and uh, revisit that scene because, I mean, it's Raiders. It's a fantastic movie and, Indeed. you know, can never find a way. And a fun fact, I, I, we, we were talking about Star Wars. We have been talking about Star Wars a lot. We talk about it pretty much all the time. Mm. But one thing that I did want to bring up was that a uh, fun little piece of trivia is that the guy who says, top men, we have top men working on this. Do you know who that guy is? I was going to say it's uh, Porkins. Yeah, it's William Hootkins yep. is the actor's name. And he was pretty busy in the late 70s and early 80s because he was Porkins in The New Hope. And then in 1980, he was in Raiders as this, I don't know what the character's name is, but this 
government agent that is uh, obviously wanting to uh, obviously believes in uh, what's uh, what's going on there, but obviously um, maybe mistaken. Who knows? Who knows what he's got up his sleeve? He doesn't look a whole lot the same. Like I no. know he's kind of a big guy, but like he doesn't. He's it's a pretty an easy uh, slip in there. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was Raiders. That's our show. That was Area Fifty One. All the aliens, all all the time. Um, maybe we'll get some aliens on the show next week. Um, maybe one of them will be named Zach. Yeah. Who knows? Well, a little a little update on the uh, situation. Uh, somebody said the final results for the raid. About a hundred people showed up, and only one person got in trouble for public urination. So. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's the I, I that is the that result. Was to be expected. I suppose that was coming. That some. <laughs> yeah, the best thing to come out of this though was that clip, uh, that news clip of the guy Naruto running behind the, the oh news my guy. God, it's that right just, there. I simply iconic. Like that's what I wanted out of the day. Is that like? Yeah, we well, got it. If somebody asked me to sum up my generation, I would just use that gif. Yeah. Well, you know what? It happened, and in all reality, no one got hurt. I don't. Maybe one person got arrested, but in uh, <laughs> overall, nothing happened. You know, I know the government. I think the internet was really freaking out the Air Force for a while because I mm-hmm. think they legitimately thought millions of millennials were going to Naruto run over their walls and just swarm them. Um, and even so, the original Facebook group that kicked us off initially. Mm. Um, they took it down. What? Facebook accidentally, quote unquote, got rid of it. <laughs> accidentally, <laughs> a, couple, a couple of days before the uh, raid was supposed to happen. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's that that happened. So, yeah, but it's all good now. It's all fine. The aliens, they're they're safe. I promise. Hopefully, maybe we'll have to do another raid one of these days because this one was fun. All right, it was fun. Yep, it was. One for the books. One for the books. And this episode is one for the books. But before we do that, before we sign off for the night, let's jump into the best segment of the night. Everyone's favorite segment of the night. Because get out your hashtags. Put them in the chat. Put them on social media. Put them everywhere. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell an alien. It's time. (laughs) One more time. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Alrighty, so okay, I think I think the appropriate thing to do is maybe we should tell people what's coming up next week on BBQ Watch because Zach is not here right now, but he will be with us next week to talk about this thing. Yes. And Jake, thankfully, you are here with us. So tell the people what's been going on and what you ate recently. 
Well, Zach had mentioned in our group chat that uh, it's a special exclusive uh, group chat for just the IPC host. Um, he mentioned that he had a uh, Arby's had come out with a barbecue brisket sandwich. And I I don't eat Arby's regularly. I've, I've had their stuff on occasion and, and liked it. Um, but he, he purchased this sandwich, this meal and had it. So I had to follow suit. I drive for my job. So I'm passing Arby's all day long, left and right. And, uh, I happened to come up on one around the time I was going to take my lunch break and I tried it as well. So you will be hearing Zach and I give our thoughts on the Arby's barbecue brisket sandwich next week. That it's sat, it sounds good. It looks even better. I've seen it, pictures. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think this is something that I probably would have gotten even without Zach, just because it looks pretty darn good in the pictures. It does. I I might even get a chance to try this thing. Yeah, yeah. You got to be part of our review. We got to have a three three uh, person Arby's sandwich review. That'd be cool. That would be amazing. But yeah, look forward to that next week because we we love doing reviews. We love to support whatever barbecue thing is happening at any point in time so yeah that looks pretty awesome it looks really good and i'm, I'm looking forward to discussing that next week but uh that's next week this is this week and this week is done this episode number 255 55 right yeah i got it right <laughs> i got it right i wasn't very sure about that i'm like crap did i screw that up no it's actually 255 which is insane that's nuts. It feels like 250 was like five weeks ago. And right? actually it was. Oh, yeah, it was. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going on by. The year's going on by. And uh, we've <laughs> the, still got... This is, I was going to say this is the fifth episode of season two. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, it is. Have you guys been paying attention to that? Zach's been slipping that in there. This is season two <laughs> of IPC Podcast. I'm not going to say anymore. I'm gonna let, I'll let him divulge that at another point in time. But yeah, we're into season two now, episode t- episode five, season two. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, I should, before we uh, sign off, uh, give a little shout-out to our big and awesome patrons, one of them being you, Mr. Damon. So shout-out oh, to oh, you. Yeah. Um, but we also have Joey Mays, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, and our newest one being Carrie Fleming. We sincerely, sincerely appreciate you guys supporting us with your money, keeping the lights on, helping us do great things, and uh, just being awesome people all around. Because legitimately, I, if, if I wasn't paid to say this, I would still say they're all awesome people. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And on the social medias, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. You can follow us personally at Zach DFW for Zach. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow myself at Ben Hart with no E on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, it's literally how it sounds. Um, Jake, tell people how they can find you online and what you're up to recently. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Damon, D-A-M-O-N. You can find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. And uh, my 
brother and I, we took a break this week just because our schedules have been nuts, but we are doing a podcast called Ben 10 Again, in which we review every episode of the 2005 hit cartoon, Ben 10. Uh, And I've been back and forth with Anchor lately, and that's what we host our podcast on. And (laughs) basically, I need to change the cover art and I need to change the intro music. Luckily, we found some intro music. This is kind of what we've been waiting for. We found some intro music that we thought was awesome that a guy did a cover of on YouTube. And he's got a pretty big YouTube channel where he does covers of things on electric guitar. And I uh, I wrote to him on Twitter and I said, hey, man, do you mind if we use your Ben 10 cover? Because he did that. And I th- we thought it sounded sick. Uh, and he's like, yeah, go for it. So we got our new intro music. I just need to edit it. And then... After I do all that, we will be on every podcast platform, hopefully within a few days. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Nice. Nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, go check that out. And uh, if you want to check out more episodes of IPC, you can find them on iTunes. You can find them on Google Play. You can find them on StarWarsUnderworld.com. Our sponsors, our uh, partners... Um, I feel weird saying that because I am one of them. Um, you can listen to me <laughs> over on the Star Wars Underworld podcast weekly where we talk about all the latest Star Wars news and we produce other podcasts about other things about Star Wars too. So it's always a good time. And uh, yeah, you can find us on uh, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. That is our host site. That's where all our episodes are. Um, and I don't think I actually mentioned it when, uh, I mentioned the patrons is, uh, through Podbean, we have our patron program, patron.podbean.com slash IPC podcast. So if you want to be part of the patron, you want to have your name listed on the show every single week and, uh, get some bonus stuff in there as well. Um, yeah, go check us out and please, uh, support us. Um, please go to your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review. Five stars, preferably. I know some <laughs> weeks may, may not be deserving of it, but please, please humor us by giving us five-star reviews um, because it really does help out a lot. It helps uh, uh, bump us up in the rankings, helps us uh, get out to more people, and we want as many people as possible to enjoy the show and uh, become part of the Peacekeeper Core, and uh, also I should mention the Peacekeeper Core. We have a Facebook group. If you'd like to uh, be a part of that, just uh, hit us up on social media. We'll add you so you can join in on the fun and get previews of upcoming episodes and uh, get prompted on stuff, just like Kenny did with the uh, with the news and uh, suggesting that. So yeah, definitely come join us over there. And also, final thing tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast is where you can find our tpublic store. You can buy, as you can imagine, t-shirts and all kinds of crazy stuff. Phone cases, I think. Sweatshirts and just crazy, crazy stuff that you can get our little IPC logo, which was done by our good buddy Jake Damon here. So you hey, get hey. Some, of, some of his art on your stuff. Um, so that is really cool, but, uh, I don't know. I think we about done it. Uh, Jake, you have anything else to say before we sign off for the night? I don't think so. Thanks for listening guys. And I can't wait to talk about, uh, barbecue stuff next week. Indeed. Indeed. And this is a really short episode. Did you notice that? 
really short. Yeah, pretty we, short, but you know what? My brain is thanking you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day for both of us, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of news, to be honest, um, which is why we kind of, you know, we, 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 we wanted to uh, give a shout-out to Battle at Big Rock, and uh, I'm not sure what we're doing next week. Oh, I know what we're doing. I'm not going to say, though. I'm not going <laughs> to say. I'm not going to say. I'm just going to say that it might be a bit upside down. It just might be a little Ooh, upside down. Just a little sizzle there. Just I know what sizzle. you're talking about now. A little sizzle. All right, so... I think that's going to do it for this episode of the IPC Podcast. Number 255 is now officially in the books for myself and Jake and Zach. May he survive, keep surviving in Area 51. Hopefully he didn't get <laughs> captured or whatever. Thank you so much for listening. But before we leave you tonight, we're just going to leave you with this closing thought. The popular belief isn't always the correct one. We believe that you will join us again on IPC. But until next time, good night, everyone. All Hit Radio. All right, you're listening to All Hit Radio, and it's 53 degrees at 13 minutes past the hour. And right now in our all-request line, I've got Mike Ledgerwood on the phone. Hey, babe, what would you like to hear? Hey, babe, I'm sorry. I can't hear you too well. You're going to have to speak a little closer into the phone. Okay, babe, what would you like to hear again? We are observing your Earth. Hey, Mike, I'm sorry, babe, but that's not on our playlist. And by the way, you sound great over the phone. Anyway, if you give us your request, we'll be glad to play it for you, babe. So let's hear it. We are observing your Earth. Oh, uh, listen, Mike, I'm sorry, babe, but we can't... And we'd like to make... I'm sorry, Mike, we... There's... A contact uh, with you... In your mind you have capacities, you know To telepath messages through the vast unknown Please close your eyes and concentrate With every thought you think Upon the recitation we're about to sing Calling occupants of interplanetary craft Calling occupants of interplanetary most extraordinary craft
and transmit thought energy far beyond the north. You close your eyes, you concentrate together, that's the way to send a message we Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,